Hello and welcome to Raw Fork Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, or just Dr. Book for short. I'm a community pharmacist and an herbalist dedicated to serving my clients in the best way that I know how. I'm bringing you this podcast to share with you like-minded pharmacists and herbalists that want to work alongside each other and share similar visions for patient care. Please enjoy the show. Hi and welcome to today's show on the Raw Fork podcast. I'd like to give a warm welcome to Dr. Anna Maria Helt, PhD, who is a practicing herbalist and writer for various publications on the topic of natural health and herbalism. She also comes from a very impressive biomedical research background. So I'm very excited to talk to her today about how she blends tradition and science and how she serves as a link between natural health and the Western medical community. Hello and a warm welcome to you, Dr. Maria Helt. Welcome Thanks to the podcast. Thanks <laughs> Thrilled to be here. Awesome. So uh, before we get started, uh, the official questions, tell me a little bit about your background. Just introduce the main, where you're from, what you do, anything. Sure. So currently I live in Durango, so a small mountain town in the Four Corners area, southern part of the Rocky Mountains. I'm from Philadelphia originally, and I started out as a research scientist uh, in cancer research and virology, and eventually left that and wound up becoming an herbalist. And so now I kind of combine the science background with the tradition of herbalism as a practitioner and a writer mainly. Wow, that's so impressive that you combine both of those fields. And that's what really drew me to you also, because I myself am a pharmacist, so I'm trained in you know the biomedical field and the Western model. But eventually I was also interested in the Eastern model. So how did you kind of transition and also combine these two modalities? It's, a, it's been a challenge, actually, in some respects, at least at first, coming from a hardcore science background into an herbal background. There was a, sometimes a little bit of culture clash, but now I love it. I, I've always loved plants. Uh, I never really thought about them, working with them medicinally uh, until later in life. But I've always been drawn to plants and gardening and wild plants, and so I left research and I actually bought a cafe and ran that for five years after I published my postdoctoral work. Uh, I was a cook all through high school and college and I'd always wanted to have a cafe so that was a landing place for me and I went to herb school when I was doing that. One of my customers at the cafe was in herb school at the time, Laura, who has an incredible herb shop in San Francisco called Scarlet Sage and hearing her talk about what she was learning was fascinating. And so I started studying herbs um, at night when I was running my cafe during the day. And then when my now ex and I moved to Colorado, I started practicing full-time and teaching and such. Wow. So where was the cafe based? It was in San Francisco in the Soma district, south of Market area, um, which means nothing to you unless you know the Bay Area. (laughs) I've been there for like a day or two. (laughs) It's a beautiful city. 
it was in kind of a, at least at the time a little bit grittier part of the city um, but I imagine it's changed quite a bit since then I've not been back for a little while yeah wow so that's so interesting um why don't you tell us also a little bit about what you uh, studied during university and something about your postdoctoral work as well okay uh, so as an undergrad I was a biological science major with a chem minor and it was just general biology all kinds of aspects of biology but with a liberal arts background so that was fun <laughs> and then I took a few years off and worked at a cancer center in Philadelphia called Fox Chase Cancer Center and so I got a job in their pharmacology department helping with research to do with cancer drugs ironically some of which come from plants like vinblastine and vincristine and taxol and at the same time I ran a microscopy microscopy facility there so I took images for people went to grad school a few years later in Seattle Washington at University of Washington in their microbiology department and I wound up studying human papillomavirus which is the causative agent of cervical cancer and so there I studied molecular mechanisms by which the virus made cells grow made cells proliferate mm -hmm. apparently and so it was a melding of the cancer work that I'd already been doing um, as a technician before going to grad school but then got me more into infectious diseases and so I got a fellowship studying infectious diseases and specializing in STDs and things like that um, and then when I left grad school I postdoc at Berkeley in the School of Public Health and really got into infectious diseases there I wanted to do some more hardcore virology and so I studied dengue virus which is a tropical virus, but it's actually moving north as climate changes, mm. making it warmer up north. The mosquitoes, Aedes albopictus and Aedes aegypti that carry it are moving north. And so it's the causative virus of dengue shock syndrome and dengue hemorrhagic fever. Um, most of the time, it causes a debilitating, really painful illness that lasts a couple of weeks that usually is not life-threatening but it's a really interesting virus and there are ways where it can induce more serious disease and so um, I just did straight bench science in a lab and I studied how the virus replicated in mosquito cells which are very different from human cells you know they grow at a different temperature um, completely different kingdom but I compared how the virus replicated between its two hosts the mosquito and people wow and that was a few years of work there and then I kind of burned out to be honest and I'm more or at least was and am more of an anxious kind of person not super thick-skinned and so the research area you know, it can be tough and while I loved it and I love teaching I kind of got tired of other aspects of it and was exhausted at that point and bought my cafe as a way to just hit hold and pause mm -hmm. and figure out all right is this what I really want to do? I can go back to science or I can take this break and do something else and figure out what I really need to be when I grew up. <laughs> but now I'm bringing the science back, which is really cool um, as an herbalist. And so it's been kind of coming full circle. That's beautiful. I guess we're always trying to figure out what it is we're meant to do when we grow up and we're never done growing, right? So. Uh, until yeah. we're dead, you know, <laughs> something new. Hopefully, right? <laughs> Hopefully.
Um, so that's really cool. It sounds like you were an East Coast girl and then you just migrated more and more West and then you yeah. kind of connected um, through the health, science, cancer, infectious diseases field and then ultimately led you to even cafe, a stint at cafes and then to herbalism. Yeah. So um, what first drew you to the sciences or to the healing arts and like made you study cancer in particular or infectious diseases in particular was there something that sparked you there or what was the the thought thinking behind it um i wanted to do something useful i mean it was really as simple as that and i like learning but i wanted to do something useful and there were you know everybody has people in their family who has cancer or and i've had a number of people in my family as well as close friends who have had cancer you know it just it's a horrible disease and so I wanted to do something useful uh, and that's why I went into science and you know research and such and it's kind of the same thing with herbalism it's wanting to do something that's helpful but also good for your own brain and spirit and there's always going to be something new to learn but it's really about empowering people and helping them take charge of their own health Um, and be well whether it's through them growing their own medicine or you introducing them to plants there's a term from jesse wolf harden who's a really awesome writer speaker um environmental activist herbal guy uh, and he uses this term called rewilding and he uses it not only in talking about the environment but also in talking about rewilding people because a lot of us have lost our roots to nature Mm-hmm. And I feel like part of our job as herbalists is to rewild people and remind them of their roots to the green world. Because I really feel like a lot of our cultural and social and physical ills in Western societies comes from a separation um, from the natural world that we truly belong in. So it, it still comes down to trying to do something that's useful. It's just taken me in a different direction than I used to be going in. Yeah, one of my own uh, herbal teachers, Vanessa Chakour, she uses that term all the time, and she her prototype is the wild woman archetype. Yes. Yeah, so she really encourages people to um, go back to nature, um, experience nature, like through camping or just being like forest bathing, and also um, she's she really encourages people to learn about wolves and like she yeah she. Um, often leads retreats to our local New York Wolf Center to just show yeah and and you know she teaches about how the habitat depends on species all being together because one species controls the population of another species so we're all meant to be together in the circle of life and in this food chain that we have so when when we try to meddle yeah and even if you don't have woods nearby even if you live in an urban environment there are weeds coming up through the sidewalk and there are vacant lots there's a lot of ways for people to find green Uh, yeah for sure i mean it's it's easy to feel jaded because i myself live in brooklyn new york so it's easy to be like oh you know everything here is so steely and gray but there's definitely parks and even in the streets you could see like trees or cracks like you said in the sidewalk and dandelion and a lot of other medicinal plants so it's been interesting for me also to learn about this stuff um in this environment 
Uh, so let's see. Um, yeah, and when people live in cities, like you mentioned, uh, you know, sometimes the nature does get lost because even though we're, we live closer together, it's uh, easy for us to get caught up in our lives and just like forget about like taking a break, taking that Sunday or Saturday off and going yeah. to nature or going to a park even. Yep. Yeah. So uh, when you began to study herbalism, did you focus in the same areas of interest, the cancer and the infectious diseases, or did you branch out? I branched out. Um, I work on to help people and support them with lots of different things. And, you know, you know this yourself. It's knowing what your limits are and where you can help and where it's, you cannot. But I do support people that go through cancer treatment. Um, I have had people contact me saying they wanted me to treat them, and I'm like, mm, that's not what I do. Yeah. Um, I'm not qualified to do that. I can't do that. Um, but I'm happy to support you in any way that I can while you go through other treatment. And so um, I will support people carefully before they go into chemo or when they're done, or sometimes even during. I, you know, I read all of the studies, uh, uh, most of which don't come from the United States, where certain botanicals are um, being combined with certain therapies and showing improved efficacy and such. So I do work with people going through treatment. I do not advise folks go it alone. Um, you have to be really careful there. But I just make it clear that we're not doing treatment here. You know, an oncologist just who does treatment. Um, and I work with but all kinds of things. It seems like a lot of my local practice here in Durango is with menopause and perimenopause. Mm -hmm. That's probably because I'm getting ready to turn 48. Maybe I'm just calling that energy too. <laughs> so I know a lot of women with hot flashes that I work with. I work with people that have high blood pressure. I work with people that have autoimmune stuff going on. You know, whatever is going on. Yeast infections, just digestive stuff. Um, it's just knowing you know, where you can kind of fit in and, and help their body heal and support them. But knowing the limits too, right? You get hit by a bus, you've got to go to the ER. The herb's not going to save you, but you can take your herb tea after you get home and speed bone healing and you know an herb's not going to substitute for insulin and it's just it's really like with any kind of practice knowing your limits in terms of what you are willing to work on and being real with the people you're working with so that they understand as well but yeah. it's everything more or less <laughs> for sure so it's kind of like you're serving the role of a triage almost and directing people like which level of care they would need so you could direct them to a doctor or to, you know, to a hospital, or you could see where your limitations of your scope are. Yeah. I mean, I have to pay attention. I, you know, we, as herbalists, we can't give out, you know, medical advice, so to speak. But I've had, for instance, a fellow come to me with hypertension, and he had recently stopped his medications. He was on three drugs that he didn't like. And he did, the first thing I said to him is, <laughs> I'm not going to say this to you, but you need to go back on your drugs, you know, or go back to your doctor and have them put you back on the meds, you know, and then we can work. And right. so, you know, they don't always hear from me what they want to hear. Sometimes it's like, ah, uh -uh, you've got to keep doing what you're doing and then we'll work slowly mm -hmm. and we can get you. Um, but it is kind of a triage sometimes, you know, there are, we all learn red flags as herbalists. You see these signs, you send them to the ER, you know. Yeah. 
uh, you know, you're bleeding out of your urinary tract and you've got a fever and chills. It's like, no, you need to go to the hospital yeah. right now. Uh-oh. <laughs> so it's, yeah. Yeah, that's good, though, to have you as a public service um, advisor in a way because you're directing people. And that's a, kind of my job as a pharmacist, too. When they come to the pharmacy, I could know whether I can help them with something with self-care or they need to go to somewhere higher where I can't help them, especially if yeah. it's an emergency. Yeah, and I send a lot of people to their pharmacists, actually. Um, you know, I'll be like, oh, you know, go ask them this, go ask them that, or get them to look at this, or... You know, yeah. you got this pharmacists are incredible resources and maybe a little bit more reachable sometimes than their doctor. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially those 24-hour pharmacies. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Um, I lost my track of thought. But anyway, <laughs> my son is distracting me. <laughs> That's my excuse. I don't even have a son to have it. I just get easily distracted. Um, so, oh yeah, what you mentioned earlier about stopping medications sporadically, sometimes it's not a good idea to just stop cold turkey. So you have to be in contact with either a doctor, pharmacist, or in this case, yeah. an herbalist to see what, you know, what your options are. Yeah, and remember, like an herbalist, we're not allowed to give them any input on stopping or starting medications. We can give them information. And I can say, you know, here's the drug monograph on drugs.com. You're not supposed to stop this cold turkey. It's dangerous. Go talk to your doctor yeah, or exactly. pharmacist. And that's what I tell people. They'll want to work with me to get off of meds, you know, a heart med. And that's fine. And it can work when done properly. But their doctor has to be a part of that process to monitor them and what they're doing with their medication. Because even though I studied pharmacology, I'm not a medical doctor. It's, yeah, you know, for I'm sure. allowed to be like, okay, we're gonna do this to get you off the drug. Uh-uh. Exactly. Um, okay. I do the herbal part, and when I, their doctor does the other part. And I do have a wonderful doc <laughs> that I've been able to do that with, where we've coordinated, and it was beautiful. And now the guy that came to me, who was on those three meds that stopped them, he did go back on them. And now he's on one, and his blood pressure is better controlled than it's ever been. Um, and so it can work when there's crosstalk amongst yeah. herbalists and, you know, sort of, quote, Western medical practitioners. And that's another goal of mine is to communicate. Because herbs aren't going anywhere, and farm drugs aren't going anywhere. So we need people that understand both and can communicate um, because people are taking both often without telling their doctors. Absolutely. And um, as a pharmacist, I often hear that, that they, they don't even tell the doctor what they're taking, either supplement-wise or herb-wise or whatever. So a lot of times I am usually the one who knows what they're taking, but the doctor yeah. may not know. And also the doctor... Um, may not know information about the herbs because yeah. the drug information is actually pretty easy to look up. You know, there's very reputable resources, but the herb information and the supplement information is the one that's harder to come by and they're not usually trained in it unless they have like a nutritionist or some other expert in their office or their practice. So most exactly. of the time they are on the side of question and say, oh, you know, don't take the herbs, don't take the supplements. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And that's all that might that's one of the reasons why people don't bother to bring it up because they don't want to stop, so they're not gonna ask their doctor. But I still feel like it's a conversation that needs to be had and there needs to be more resources out there. I know there is a PDR for herbs for doctors. I'm and there are some other databases. I'm actually building a database that people can look up some of the most common things out there and look at well documented drug interactions, look interactions with metabolic enzymes and such because they're yeah it's hard to find in one place up-to-date information of whether you are a doctor or a nurse or or an herbalist who yeah. works with clients that are on medications yeah for sure and we should actually talk after that because i'm also building something on my own so we should collaborate awesome. Yeah, and this is actually part of my custom herbs site. I mean, I started it on my own as a practitioner, but we're going to be publishing it on the site. Oh, And then constantly updated. Um, Okay, awesome. So why don't we jump in and talk about that? Let's talk about your newest project at mycustomherbs.com. Yeah, so this is, I mean, you're familiar with it. This is an online project that uh, my business partner, Aubrey, and I started and the idea of the whole thing is my custom herbs it's to try to help people more specifically select herbal blends that are a little bit closer to what will support them so we're starting out with the digestive system because that's really the foundation of health and what you do is you get on the site and you take a quiz that just asks you a bunch of questions and it filters you in to a few areas of support Um, And, you know, the thing is, is not everybody has an herbalist nearby that they can go see. So they go to the health food store, which is fine, but then they're buying these kitchen sink formulas in the health food store that may or may not be applicable to what's going on for them. So as an example, somebody who has acid reflux might go to the, the grocery store and buy an herbal formula to support themselves, but lo and behold, it's got peppermint in it, which a lot of pre-made herb formulas have for digestive support well that's going to exacerbate their reflux and so the idea with the website is to be kind of a middle ground it's not as great as seeing an herbalist face-to-face one-on-one but it's a lot more advanced and better than winging it on your own and trying to figure out what herb to get Um, and so we've started out with gut and we're now moving into menopause and perimenopausal support next and yeah it's fun and so i've been writing articles and posting them on the website and doing videos on the website as well as kind of advanced herbal information on our facebook page and q a's on our facebook pages to engage people to engage practitioners uh, because we want to be a resource not just for the public and their own health but we want to be a resource for healthcare practitioners as well hence the database uh, and such um, so that they can get good information that yes comes from tradition but also is science-based as well wow that's a great direction to be heading at because just like we were saying there aren't really good up-to-date resources there's only a handful of handbooks that aren't updated but it's like yeah. once they're published they're already out of date and, exactly and, and but they're great I have they're right next to me actually um, and yeah yeah and then there are some subscription based services that you have to pay for and purchase yep. so it's yeah. really great that you're trying to be a resource for not only the public but healthcare practitioners yeah or even herb students or whatever just yeah. anybody that has use for this information 
So it's just you and your business partner? And, well, and <laughs> a couple of herbalists, like somebody I'm talking yeah, to. Yeah, you have but, two other herbalists on staff. Yeah, so it's it small and, it, you know, we're just kind of making mistakes as we grow and learning as we go. And, um, yeah, but it's, a, it's kind of a, a telemedicine type paradigm, but with natural health in a way. Um, and so it's a little weird because I'm used to practicing face to face with people and you know, looking at their tongues and checking their pulses and looking at their complexion and all of that traditional stuff. And so it's a bit different from that. But again, there are people that live where they don't really have access to any kind of natural practitioner, be it an herbalist or a naturopath or an acupuncturist or what have you. Yeah, and also, like, the price point is probably important, too, because um, something like the automated version of the quiz and, like, maybe an online consult will probably be cheaper than seeing somebody face-to-face because, uh, you know, you have to rent a space, you have to charge a certain fee, even just for that. And so this is kind of like a more virtual and, um, yeah, a little bit more automated version. Yeah. It's a little more automated, but they still get one. They still get personalized communication with us. We check in on them. They can send their questions and such. So it's not it's not like Amazon. It's not completely automated. <laughs> you know, they, they can reach an actual human being, and often both Aubrey and I will wind up answering their emails. Um, and so, yeah, we're figuring it out as we go. Yeah, so that's really cool and very ambitious for just like, you know, three, four people to have like this whole vision. So I really applaud that. Well, and you're, you know, you're pretty much the one in charge of everything and the main researcher and herbalist. So. I wouldn't I mean, she's in charge of a lot of <laughs> different talents. <laughs> so I'm the resident geek and she's the resident business person and big vision person. And so it works. Yeah, it sounds like a great combo. And you guys just launched like a couple of months ago. Yeah, um, we launched sometime in March, I guess, late March or somewhere around there. So That's how does so how does it work? So a person goes on the website. For those of us who haven't gone on the website, they go on, they take the quiz, and they take the quiz, and it'll just take them to some tips and suggestions, lifestyle ideas that maybe be a little bit more fitting for them. And they have an option of buying an herbal kit uh, to, that will last anywhere from a month to six weeks or so. We're shifting it up a little bit. We're actually going to start doing kind of a monthly club type mm. format where they can get a certain number of questions answered each month, you know, kind of a check-in with us mm-hmm. and get one or two herb formulas each month, depending on which level of the club they're in. So we're just, we're playing with the idea a little bit, but they're still answering these, you know, they're still doing a little mini consultation ahead of time by doing this quiz. They're getting asked the questions that I would ask them more or less if they were sitting in front of me, um, you know, in my office. And then, you know, we're using that to get specific for them. But we, again, we're, we're, we're going to experiment with a, a monthly affordable club for people to join and get longer term support. And that's going to apply to the gut health part of it, but it's also going to apply to perimenopause and menopausal support. And the other areas we'll be branching out into over the coming year or two. Great. So right now it's geared toward gut support, like you mentioned. So it's like, yeah. Any kind of symptom of a digestive tract, I could just go yeah, pop you know, in there. 
pooping like crazy and you're <laughs> it. You know, what's going on with your gut? Are you burping all the time? Or, you know, do you have weak digestion? And so, you know, the gut is the foundation of our health. Uh, if our gut's not working properly, nothing else in the body's going to work properly. If our gut microbiome is disrupted, that's going to impact everything from metabolism to mood. And so it's really about starting at the, the root, the gut, um, and, and then we'll move out from there to these other aspects of health. And that's, again, how I work as an herbalist. Uh, regardless of what people come in for, we're almost always doing a little bit of work on digestion and what they're eating. And Because without doing that, you're only going to get so far with whatever you're working on. Absolutely. So they usually, um, if they choose to go with the package deal, it's a month worth of herbs and it's it could be an infusion with a tincture or how does that yeah, work? Yeah, the monthly club, they'll get maybe a, like a tea blend and a liquid extract or they might get two different liquid extract formulas or they might get two different teas um, in that kind of first tier. And then if we add a second tier on, maybe they'll get an extra formula in that case, depending on what's going on for them. And uh, yeah, and they'll get guidance on how to use them because they aren't necessarily gonna be taking them all at the same time. Sometimes they need to do this for three or four weeks and then switch to the next formula for a little while. But, but yes, that's basically how it'll work. And is the consultation um, like a, like a virtual or phone call consultation with the herbalist that you mentioned? Is that included as part of the package deal, or is that separate? Uh, not yet, not for the, the entry level. For the entry level, there's still going to be. I mean, we're still developing this right now, mm-hmm. so it's not for now. But for the entry level, we're still going to be doing the quiz. Um, but then they will get a check in during that month, and we can kind of tweak things for them. Like, oh, let's give them more of this one tea blend next month um but it's the consultation it's like the full-on consultation is a separate thing and Mm -hmm. people do have the option to to purchase that and get one-on-one time by phone uh, with an herbalist and to really get very personal in terms of support Uh, yeah and during that conversation they could probably bring up other body systems or things that are bothering them and diet and lifestyle comes into play that are stressing them out and yeah you can really then it's more like what i do just in my own private practice where you never know the path you actually wind up going down when you're talking to somebody they come in for one thing and then lo and behold there's this other giant elephant in the room that by just talking to them comes up yeah yeah you make associations that aren't usually clear right from the start but then when you look at the whole picture it shows up so it's double the custom or maybe custom into infinity yeah something aubrey's better with the the this i suck at that Okay, cool. So that's a really, really cool concept. Again, I really applaud that. And I really look forward to as it develops how the quizzes will all interact with one another. We buy them from really well respected companies. Ultimately, we want to buy from small growers, for mm-hmm. instance, my good friend Karen here in Durango is open gate herbs and she grows herbs with no pesticides, no herbicides. So ultimately, we're going to get small growers like her but right now as we get going we have some bigger companies we're working with like mountain rose herbs who's very well respected and has a lot of organically produced herbs uh, or ethically wild crafted herbs available 
some of them come from another company in California called Starless Botanicals, who again has, they're not a huge, huge company, but they're a pretty good sized company that has a good selection of organically grown herbs as well. And what the plant really is, where it's coming from, when it was harvested. And so we're really picky about the herbs we use. They're all either organically produced or really plentiful herbs that are in the wild that have been ethically wildcrafted. I just wanted to bring this question up because it's so important, I think, that a company is so responsible and, you know, thinks about the whole picture of where the herb is coming from and for it to be sustainable. So yeah. that's really great that you guys are thinking about that. So how do you find the time to do all of this, to do the medicine making, to have the vision of the company, to, like you mentioned, you also do writing. How do you stagger all I of this? I eat a lot of chocolate, and I work <laughs> seven days a week, or six and a half days a week. I don't get much time off. And it's just, you know, being an herbalist is not the easiest way to make a living. And so you have to kind of do a lot of things. And so... As a scientist, you also work long hours, and I've always been a bit of a workhorse. Um, I'm feeling it a little bit more as I'm getting older, but I just have to be organized and just go and block my days off. Like, okay, this is going to be a writing day. This is going to be a day to see clients. This is going to be a day that I record videos. You know, what? this is going to be a day, you know, a few hours that I need to catch up on social media stuff. And, you know, this is a day where I'm working on the menopause program and I just have to block it off mm -hmm. and not f go deer in headlights, <laughs> just kind of focus on one thing at a time. Yep. Yeah, that's really good advice to stay organized and to have like div divided, not divided focus, not multitasking, but just like really attentive focus to one task at a time. Yeah. 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 Um, so... When you mentioned that you write, can you tell us a little bit of what, um, besides like working on your website and producing information, yeah. what kind of uh, writings or publications are you involved in? Um, I do a weekly uh, article on herbalism for a wellness site called basmati.com, and I've been writing for them for a couple of years. And I pretty much pick the topics, and it can be anything from herbs to essential oils to medicinal mushrooms gardening whatever um so i do that and i do a video for them each week as well and then i'm writing for a, a local uh company in durango that does natural foods so that's a couple times a month just health related articles and then i've been a columnist for plant healer magazine which is an incredible big fat quarterly publication wow. that is put out by Jesse Wolf Harden and Kiva Rose Harden, and it's just it's an incredible resource. Each issue is a few hundred pages long, so I write a, a column called Fungi and Friends, mostly about medicinal mushrooms, but all kinds of other topics. Um, and then currently, I'm collaborating on a book uh, with a psychologist that we've been working on for a couple of months now, and that still has a little ways to go. And so I, I really like writing, and I. It's a way to reach a broad audience, and I would like to maybe do even more of that in the long run and target some even bigger publications, just, again, to get the word out there mm -hmm. about plants and how to use them, what's a safe way to use them, how not to use them, whatever, uh, all of that stuff. Wow, that's great. I mean, thank you for 
producing such amazing work and such writing. What's your advice for people that also want to get, you know, their word out there or maybe are starting to build a business? Um, how to build like a practice maybe where they want to see clients one-on-one and how to reach a broader uh, audience either by writing or maybe some social activities? I am the wrong person to ask that. <laughs> terrible at marketing I'm not I'm actually not good at self-promotion <laughs> what I did to get my practice started in Durango was I started teaching free classes um, and that way people got to know me and then I started teaching classes on specific health topics that I wanted to work with like cold and flu for mm-hmm. instance and then I would get a client out of that and then my practice has been built largely from word of mouth from that and teaching and um, I just, I'm an introvert, but I just started to try to put myself out there more, and I applied to teach at this conference called, it's called the Good Medicine, it was called the Good Medicine Confluence, Um, the name is changing this coming year, it's been in Durango for a few years, but it's been going on for a decade, and it's one of my favorite herb conferences put in by the, put out by the publishers of Plant Healer, so I applied to teach for that, and I've been teaching there for three years in a row which got me one of my writing gigs and you know you just start doing things like that and making connections and uh yeah I, but i'm not <laughs> i just i'm terrible at marketing i'm terrible at you know i've been doing this for 10 years you know, in terms of herbs and so even more than 10 years in terms of herbalism and learning it and training in it and teaching it and it's only now that i'm really putting myself out there on a broader level not just kind of locally in my little town yeah 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 Yeah, I think that's always a struggle well for me definitely a struggle to uh to kind of establish yourself as an expert or an authority in a field and become comfortable and confident enough to convey the information that you know yeah and it's off the beaten path you know a lot of people are like you do what or what (laughs) And, you, you know, just count on that fact that you're going to need other work to support yourself for a lot of it, um, especially as you get going. I'm, I'm lucky that everything I do now is health-related um, in terms of trying to make a living and growing and such. But, you know, as an herbalist, it is not unusual to have to have a, quote, day job. <laughs> yeah, I hear that as well. Yeah. So, um do you see clients in your home or in their home, or do you have an office that you work out of, or how can people? I see people at my home. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have an office, and it just was kind of a waste of money because I do so much other work besides see clients. It was really hard to get it done there. It was distracting and expensive. So I just see people where I live, like an herbalist traditionally does, at the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I have gone to other people's homes, like people that are older, maybe they can't get around as much, um, but it, it makes me a little nervous to kind of show up somewhere where I, I'm like, mm, who are these people, <laughs> if I don't know them really well, but I will do a house call, um, but most of the time, people just come to where I am. Yeah, I do sense. work long distance with people as well, but I really prefer to be able to meet face-to-face, at least for the first visit, because you can learn so much about what's going on for them mm-hmm. meeting that person uh, but I have some clients that are on the east coast or in California and elsewhere yeah that makes sense 
and yeah traveling somewhere you don't know how it's going to be if it's going to be a disruptive environment or anything like that yep so it's good to have uh, a place where you you know you can focus you're in the zone you're comfortable yeah and it's going to be a quiet place it'll be peaceful um and i try to make it feel like a safe space for them um and i'm pretty non-intimidating and so it tends to work pretty well that way so what's your favorite part about herbalism? Like, I know you focus on the gut, um, oncology, infectious diseases, Is there and recently menopausal, perimenopausal issues. Is there any part that you love the most? Or maybe, you know, you mentioned you like writing, you also like being a practitioner. Is there yeah. one that calls to you the most? I mean, I, it's hard. I mean, in terms of, as a practice, I love teaching the most. But teaching encompasses working one-on-one with somebody or educating them. Teaching encompasses writing. Teaching encompasses getting up on a stage and talking to an audience or doing a little class in a garden. So teaching and connecting people with the plants is my favorite part. It comes back to rewilding. And it doesn't matter if it's teaching a medicine-making workshop to medical doctors. Um, Believe it or not, some of them are really into it. Uh, Or teaching to a garden club or doing an online video Uh, so teaching and connecting plants and people is for me the best and always learning there's always a new paper that comes out on whatever herb there's always a new herb book that i haven't had before or an herbalist whose class i want to go take so that that continued learning part is also really key yeah and like you mentioned before you like seeing a person face to face but with the new emergence of all the social media stuff and like, you know, my custom herbs and you Telehealth. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. what do you think is like more effective in this day and age? Like do you think social media platforms or do you still think that the one on one is more special? You're never gonna get the care anywhere else besides one on one. It's never gonna be as good as sitting down with a good practitioner, regardless of the modality. It's you know, it's just not the same. Um, So I still think that's the creme de la creme, is actually working face-to-face with somebody. But yeah, there's a lot that can be done through telehealth. I mean, that's the trend that medicine is taking um, and sharing information on social media and such. Um, You know, it's kind of like the Wild West out there online because on one hand, I'm not a believer in licensing herbalism. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like with medicine, it, it actually starts to limit who can become an herbalist because now it gets expensive to become an herbalist. And Lord knows I've met lots of licensed medical doctors who couldn't find their way out of a, you know, a wet paper bag. <laughs> there are ones and there are ones that are kind of scary. And, but that said, there is a lot of crap information out there too, and that's one of the problems with the Internet and social media is you know, regardless of one's level of training, somebody can put whatever information out there they want, even if they know absolutely nothing. And you don't have to go to herb school to know what you're doing. There are lots of ways to train. Um, but it's it does get a little tricky with social media. And I guess it is the same as finding your local herbalist. You really need to look out for people's reputation. What is their background? Uh, who did they train with? Whether you're reading their website or you're meeting them face to face because that you know there's a lot of bad information out there there's a lot of great information out there too um, i do like the internet in terms of reaching a broader audience 
and um, you know again keeping up on the latest herbal research uh, it's very different than when I was in college and there was no internet oh yeah um, and I think there's room for all of it you know nothing's ever going to be meeting a practitioner one-on-one and working together but there are lots of other ways to go there's room for a lot of different approaches yeah that's really good that's a really good point and really good advice too for people wanting to start out and study yeah did you study at a school or did you have mentors that you studied under yes (laughs) all of the above (laughs) i studied at alone herbal center in berkeley and pam fisher is the director of that so they have a three-year program there and they are one of the few herb schools that actually has a student clinic where you're getting clinical experience under the supervision of Pam. And I studied with Kathy Cavill, who's a well-known aromatherapist and herbalist in kind of Grass Valley, Nevada City area of California. She has Green Medicine Herb School, so I did aromatherapy studies with her and herbalism studies with her at her school. And then, you know, a bunch of small classes with other herbalists. I studied with a Chinese medicine practitioner for a year and, you know, did distance classes through Rosemary Gladstar's <laughs> program right when I was getting interested in herbs. There's, there are a lot of great educational opportunities out there. Um, you know, I tried to do as much face-to-face stuff as I could with people, but they're great online programs, too. And I would like to actually find yet another herbalist to study with at some point, um, just to continue learning. Because you always learn from yeah. somebody different. I learn from stu- my students, whether it's in a class or one of my one-on-one students that I work with, I'm always learning new things. And I tell people that want to practice that you should have at least three teachers, if not more, um, long-term teachers, if not more. You're going to learn different approaches, different opinions, different techniques. And then you integrate it. Yeah, and absolutely. For you. Yeah, I think I heard somebody say once that the two approaches of like school versus having a mentor teacher, the teacher that's an individual usually takes longer. So that's why you want to yeah. have that as a long term goal, like you were saying. But and the teacher you can be uh, in a school, you can be exposed to lots of different teachers and then yes. like pick and choose what you like and you know yeah. then go to a more individualized specialized approach yeah exactly and then I've had students I have one who's practicing now and she worked with me one-on-one for a couple of years and I was like well I want you know I feel like you need to work with somebody else for a while yeah and she hasn't gone so much to a formal herb school but she's done it the way that herbalism has often been done which is like a trade okay. right where you find a mentor and you work with them. So she's then worked with another really experienced herbalist in town, and she's been working with her for a while. And like a trade yeah. has been done, right? Um, and that's a very traditional way that herbalism was learned and passed down. Um, other people, and I did kind of both. I had schools that I went to, and then I had mentors. And there are other people that are self-taught. They're very experiential, mm-hmm. and uh, they do a lot of learning just on their own, um, out meeting the plants, and that's another good thing to incorporate into your own education, even if you're in a school. Um, but, you know, they're self-taught. They buy herb books and read blogs from reputable herbalists and learn that way, and that's legitimate as well. And if you're a crappy herbalist as a practitioner, it, word will get out there. It's kind of self-regulating. You're mm-hmm. not going to get clients. Um, word of mouth is really big 
So if you haven't done your diligence in learning what you're doing, people figure it out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah so. they could feel it. Like, yeah. yeah. If it's not working or if it's like just not the right vibe. I think, yeah, I think also like your clients, that, like you were saying before, clients, certain clients are dra- drawn to you. So you'll draw yeah. the clients that you're meant to help and vice versa. Yeah. 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 I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Exactly. And so, you know, if you're somebody that wants to be on 50 supplements, I'm not, I'm going to be the one taking you off of them. <laughs> like, you know, with certain people that maybe don't want my approach, which is just a very simple approach. Um, but yeah, it's like you said, you kind of draw the people that you draw. Yeah. yeah. And I personally love that about herbalism, about like, uh, I mean, at least my teachers, I also went to a school, it's called Arbor Vitae, and it's also like a three-year program with the clinical aspect incorporated, and I was exposed to a lot of practices, but I think almost all of the teachers had like a similar approach to simplify and to just treat with the, you know, the purest or a form of medicine that our body recognizes as uh, a nutrient, which the plants have in their crude form, yes. um, rather than like trying to extract a main constituent and then you know yeah. magnifying that, which is most supplements try to do that. Yeah, yeah, kind of pharmaceuticalizing the plants. We evolved with them. We evolved eating these plants. We evolved using them. Animals use them. Our bodies recognize them, and it's you know you probably were taught this too. You start with food. To yeah, work and absolutely. helping somebody balance, and then if they need more, you turn to herbs, and if they need more, maybe other supplements. Can you know? I have a lot of people on fish oil, and if that's not enough, yeah, maybe they need to go to their doctor and and get checked out and see what else needs to be done. But usually, those first two or three things, if they're willing to work and take the responsibility of eating well and being active and connected and taking their plants they'll often be just fine absolutely uh matt wood said this really well i think in one of his books he wrote that there's three levels so like you said it's food then medicine and then poison and plants can be any of these three levels so you have to know which one is appropriate where yeah yeah exactly you know people are always like oh this is safe because it's natural and you know my snarky reply is so is arsenic right and mercury they're natural too so yeah yeah the dose makes the poison it's yeah this is true and i mean even with herbs that are really safe like dandelion leaf it's a food but you know you could dry yourself out over time and you know pee right (laughs) you know and peel your water out water out over time with it you know there's a balanced amount of it you can take same thing if you eat a bag of grapes you're going to be crapping your brains out so yeah everything in the proper dose Um, absolutely well we're coming to the end of the interview and i just wanted to ask you a couple of uh, rapid fire questions so here we go um what's your if you had a Okay, let's see. I'm trying to see which questions I want to ask. Um, what's the number one thing that listeners can do to improve their quality of life right now? Buy some plants and put them on your windowsill if you don't have a garden. If you do have a garden, keep going gardening. <laughs> put them in the ground. <laughs> the ground. Beautiful. Okay, what is a hobby or downtime of yours, considering that you have some downtime? <laughs> 
Uh, I train in martial arts and I teach jujitsu to children. Whoa, that's a whole new aspect. That's crazy. <laughs> Before we were talking how you fit your already busy life into your schedule. Now we find a new thing that you do. <laughs> that's awesome. Stress. <laughs> yeah, stress relief, exercise, and more teaching. Beautiful. Um, what is your favorite tea or other beverage? Oh gosh, <laughs> I, this is going to be really bad, but I love wine. <laughs> In small amounts. Good answer. Uh, I, I love lemon balm. I think that's just like a simple tea and chamomile. Just some of those really gentle, calming aromatics. Uh, Maybe in your wine. (laughs) I will admit, herbed wines are awesome. Yeah, that's great. That's really awesome. (laughs) Um, Okay, and lastly, what is your mission? Rewilding. Connecting people with the natural world, whether it is somebody that is across from me at my kitchen table or a medical doctor who is wanting to learn more about plants. Connecting and being a conduit for that information is my mission. All right, I lied. That was in the last question. So (laughs) (laughs) what motivates and drives you to, like, do this work? And like you said, it's not for the money probably, and, you know, it takes up a lot of time. So what, you know, what's your why? It comes back to trying to do something useful and living a meaningful life and, like, loving what you do. You know, if you're going to spend many hours a day doing something then it better nourish your soul and feed you um unless it's just for the money and then you can buy time off and go on vacation and nourish yourself that way yeah that's a trade-off for everyone to consider (laughs) (laughs) okay so i'm gonna have all the information that we talked about you know your websites uh, your personal ones and my custom herbs in the show notes but why don't you tell the audience how people can get in touch with you directly or any of the companies that you are involved in yeah you can reach there are a couple ways you can reach you can either reach you know aubrey or i if you're interested in my custom herbs at hi hi at mycustomherbs.com if you want to get to me personally you can find me at my own website which is osada.com so o s a so s is in sam let me back up o s is in sam a d is in dog h a.com and there's a contact tab on the website where you can just shoot me an email and reach out that way and i have uh you know, I try to stay up to date with anything that I'm teaching on that site. Uh, I don't know that I have anything right now, but, you know, local teaching here in Colorado, online videos that I'm producing and offering as classes and such. So those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Awesome. And I'll write that out so people don't have to worry about the spelling um, yeah. <laughs> on the show notes. But thank you so much, Dr. Maria Held, for this amazing interview and taking the time out. And hopefully we'll reach a wider audience together. And, you know, this really yeah, I just like a number three on yours. Yay. So this is great. <laughs> thank you for that. Go herbalism. <laughs> And then I actually have a question for you when we get when we're off okay. the recording. All right, so. well, I'm going to end the recording. Thank you so much for being here and thank you thank guys for you. listening. As always, please send any questions, inquiries, requests to me. My email is marina at rawfork.com or just go on my website, rawfork.com. Leave me a note there. Thank you.
and have a great week ahead.